Satish. Man, I don't know what to say. I tell you what, I know what just to say. have a, li a little bit of Ben's energy. Can you imagine how far you can go? I'm exhausted in a good way. I've never had a guest. We've never had a guest that basically gave us a one hour emotional pump. From you take the best of the homies you look up to, whether it's Anthony Robbins, whether it's Mohammed Gandhi, doesn't matter. Anybody who's in your, I need a little bit of boost times a thousand packed into 45 minutes was today. And legit, I need to sleep. <laughs> it was so mentally exciting and exhausting at the same time. I love bed. Oh my God. I agree with you. As I mentioned, when I met him, just his energy and the message that he's trying to bring across, I think it's absolutely perfect. Which one, one landed for you? Which one of his messages landed for you? I, for me, the one that landed the most was around this idea of you can't fail. And then many people have said it, yes. but he said it in a very interesting way that I think our listeners would love. I agree with you. And that's what, that's what actually, when I met him earlier, that was the message that I resonated with the most. Our audience is going to love this. We'd love you to subscribe. We'd love you to listen to the episode and you're going to enjoy this one. Welcome to Year One, hosted by me, Dio Klopas, and my good friend, Satish Bala. On Year One, we speak to early stage founders, business owners, and entrepreneurs about the highs and lows of the early years, the challenges and rewards, and everything else in between. So without any further ado, let's get into this week's conversation. Ben, I am so excited about this episode, and I just want to do a little bit of an introduction to our audience, because this one is slightly different to the other episodes that we do in that on year one, we talk to early stage founders and we talk about the challenges and get to know a little bit about their business. The reason why I reached out to you, or let me give, actually, sorry, we met on Lunch Club and your story and your attitude and your approach was so brilliant. I thought it'd be amazing to have you on this episode. And I'm going to start off. Your whole story is about there's no such thing as failure. And before mm -hmm. we start talking about that a little bit, what I'd love for you to do is to give us a little bit about, a little bit of your background. Tell us about Ben and what has brought you to this point where you are at this point in your life. Okay. So I'd say my background is it's always been and always has changed. So I've never been confined to one thing and my mum's endorsed that. So she's never said you have to be anything. If it changed weekly, she'd be on board. Brill, okay, let's do it. So from a very early age, I was always doing different things. Like, I think I remember being like six and starting a basketball club. And it was 10 pence for charity. I don't know where to get this from, I'll tell you. And I remember making the card out of sellotape and paper because it didn't have a laminate. But even that's an early sign. Just because it didn't have a laminator, it didn't stop me from making me laminate cards. I just used sellotape over the thing. So from then, it's like I just had an interest in a lot of things. So early age, like 5 to 12, I did Taekwondo. So I got black belt in that. So I was very into like routine from then. Fought in Great Britain, fought for in Germany, actually, for Great Britain. Hated fighting, but everyone used to clap. So I was like, okay, that's what I'm meant to do. 
couldn't stand it. And then, so we did that, then stopped. And then, where are we now? So we did Taekwondo. And then my dad had a pub. And I thought that was like the biggest thing going. Like we had a pub. It was, I thought it was like Queen's Palace. So my goal in life was to be a pub person. That was the ultimate. I am going to work in this pub. That's my life goal. End of discussion. Couldn't see past it. It was like, that was it. I was done. I was going to work in a pub. And then realized that that's me copying off my dad. And then went to work in a nursing home. There's my next vocation because my sister did it. So I was just copying off what people were doing. And then stopped that. I got ushered out, actually. They went, you are too crazy and mad. You need to go out and be funny and do something with yourself. So I got ushered out. I was living my best life. I wanted to stay in there with all the old people living. We had a hoot. So then after that, say 16, my friend was making clothes, paying bare pennies. And it was like 70 quid for the lad's top. She got a sewing machine and was sewing. And it was costing like £10. So I said to me, Mom, I want a sewing machine. I'm sick to death of her spending hardly anything every week. And it's costing me a fortune. So I got a sewing machine, learned how to sew in my mum's shed. We had guinea pigs. Guinea pigs and a sewing machine. No jokes. That's how it started. And then got a shop when I was 18. Got funded off the Prince's Trust. No skill or any qualification in clothes making at all. Just wanted to do it, so did it. And my mum was crazy enough to make me believe I was good at the beginning. I went. It was a show. I used to sew bed sheets and curtains. And she'd be like, that, oh, it's fabulous. I'm loving it to dress. But she used to wear it to go out. She polluted my mind. So if we're going to talk about doing anything, I'd say thanks, mom. Because even the stuff that weren't great, she endorsed it. So I knew no different. And I think that's really important if we want to be looking at being unlimited. So my mom coerced me into thinking I was good by telling me it was when it weren't. And then after that, I had, a sh- I had the shop for seven years, then went back into healthcare. Then went to college to learn clothes after having a business for seven years. Completely backwards. So went to college at 27, then went to uni. So did everything completely backwards. And then when went to uni, was more design. And then Spice Girls, they saw, I had a red corset. Everyone told me not to get this fabric. Don't get it. No one will buy it. I was like, I don't care. I need to do it. That's why I need it. I couldn't give two shits about the money. I I did it. I might have vet that week, but it doesn't matter. I still did it. I wanted to do it. So I got it, made it. That was that. And everyone said I was stupid. That's a waste. That is a waste. No one's going to buy it and no one would wear it. I was like, I don't care. It has to be made and I made it. So that was that. And then after I graduated from uni, I went and become a property client performance consultants for property investors. Didn't have a clue with that either. Just did it and learned it and loved it. They didn't control me one little bit. So I'd be in there on Christmas Day saying, oh, because it work Christmas Day. I was thrilled. I was thrilled. But I told them I was dead upset. I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. Brilliant. And then learned about like, no one showed me. I just thought, how is this not working for me? How could it be flow more? So I didn't need instruction. Make that work. I just did it. And not being confined, let me grow. So 
I did really well at the property consultant and uh, doing HMOs. And it's like, you would think how many th episodes this would be, the different scopes, but really loved the property as well. Then obviously then the Spice Girls had saw me red course it. We thought it was a hoax. I, sh I gave the contract to be made. So I like, who's this? Spice Girls. We were like, I don't think I should be reading this. I was like, whoa, let's see. I was like, oh my God, it is as well. It was real. Actually real contract from the Spice Girls on my Instagram. Who gives us that? It's, can you imagine? Just like that. Oh, I don't know who it was initially. It must have been like their agents or something. Because Adele Posh was like, oh yes, let's get Ben. <laughs> so someone from Spice Girls messaged me. And then the wonderful COVID hit. Now I say this because that's where I really changed. Like I was uninterrupted. I couldn't leave. I was in heaven. I learned so much. I was up at four, five o'clock every single morning. I just loved it. I got into great shape. I, I really got to learn about myself and it was just brilliant. I just loved it. And it wasn't nice to say the least, but in terms of what it meant for who I could see I was, what happened and being unlimited happened in the pandemic. So I always say I made this, that fortune and got the investment in my undies with my cat. That's it. Didn't need anything. Undies and a baldy cat. It's one of those new fearless ones, the Sphinx. That's all it is. So there we are wandering around naked, coming up with great ideas all day. It was fantastic. And it just, everything escalated from there. It was like, I really thought I could do anything then because no one was telling me I couldn't. It's because we don't know we can't until someone says so. The only reason we never do something, we are taught it can't happen. That's it. If that goes, whoever's, whoever told everyone that Father Christmas weren't real, I've got a word and a bone to pick with them. Because why would I you stop? That. Literally, why would you stop someone who feels incrementally, outrageously, unmeasurably amazing over something they've never seen, never smelt, never touched? And it works. So we're all murderers because we sabotage this in children, like whenever we get the opportunity for some. And I think, do we not think we are traumatized from that? This random person turns up, gives you stuff. You don't really have to do anything. You get mm, pajamas. Everyone comes together. Not ideal for everyone, but it's there's this annual because of this big fat man who comes flying across the sky and leaves shit and gets off. It's brilliant. Why would you stop I love that? that man. I love that. Man. You know, ben, you got such a great attitude around this this belief system idea. Do you have any kids, Ben? No, but I love them. That's what's funny. I'm a big advocate for them. So we are gods amongst children because they know no difference. We have such a responsibility. And, yeah. And, and that's what I find it fascinating. Yeah, and you and I have kids. Yours are a little bit older. I was talking to somebody about this. Actually, it was my mom. I was talking to her over the weekend about this idea of as my kids get older, I'm naturally saying no more often. And when they were younger, once they start walking, one-year-old, year-and-a-half-old, I was like, yeah, run faster, climb that tree, jump off of that sofa. You're the Wonder Woman. You're the Superman. And then as they get a little older, I start to go, no, 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 don't do that. Or don't climb this. And don't eat that. And don't. 
And I feel like at some point, this attitude of no starts as a way to protect them. But then it becomes the mindset where I'm saying no first. But I don't know, Dion, you were conscious of going from the do everything dad to no dad. Absolutely. And to that point, even as my kids get older, as you said, my, I've got 18 year olds and I've got a 20 year old. As they are starting to experience the world, the world more, I have a greater fear. And then my inclination to say no is even greater than it was a few years ago because you're trying to protect them. But I think you're doing them a massive disservice at the same time. And to that, sorry, it's even a bit further than the parents. I was thinking about it as well. If we look at the moment, what we're doing with children in the schooling system as well, no one fails. You get a participation certificate, whether you do good or you do bad and things like that. And my concern with that is what we're doing is we're not building the resilience in children to actually go out and fail and learn because we've created this environment now where no, average is good. Being there, just being or being at the event is good. You'll get an award or certificate for it. So I think we are, we put so much constraints around people's abilities to be themselves and to become unfulfilled. And that is why I was so fascinated about your mindset and this belief of yours that you can't fail. And every time you think you fail, you actually, it's a learning experience and you can grow from that. Yeah, I think, so three things have just popped up. So I would say, in relation to when you're saying no to your kids, I'd say it's it good you're aware of it. And the fact that you're aware of it, you won't realize that just so many parents aren't aware. The fact you're aware of it, you've half the problem. Literally, like, you just have. Because I'm, I feel like I'm in the middle of a generational ditch of life before tech, life only with tech. And I'm right in the middle of that demographic. And it's fascinating like it is two separate worlds and i always get i don't know quite warmed when i see the generations after these being open-minded having these life skills talks because it's just not common enough and it's if, if my parents had they're getting there i wouldn't say it's the speed of light but they're getting there the day the least but the fact that yous are very much in this swing, like full throat, is it, it is literally problems halved. And your kids need to know how fucking lucky they are that they have parents that are in this line of jam because it's rare. It's very we, rare. We, we literally need to take that soundbite and turn it into a ringtone for my kids. You are fucking lucky. <laughs> And then, <laughs> that's what that plays. Every time I call them, that's what it plays. Daddy's calling. And it's ding, ding, ding. Fucking lucky. So much of what you said, Ben, <laughs> I'm curious, is, is your shout out to your parent. Your mom being your backbone, giving you that encouragement. What are they like? Because what got them into that state of mind with you? They're not. That's what's funny. It's like my mom is very magic driven. She's a big kid. I was 22, she was still putting leaves in my wardrobe. Blind the witch in the wardrobe. So that is still a thing, okay? It's still a thing. It's If my teeth were still falling out, I'd be getting visits on the tooth fairy, but she'd be paying council tax, no freebies, right? None of that. So she's very much there. Whereas my dad's nearly a social mute. And quite, yes! 
that's the truth. But he's charismatic at the same time. So I think I've got my mum's cheerful chirpiness and then my dad's pub businessness. But I'd say it's neither intentional by the pair of them. I'm all my hard work. Tell you, all my hard work. But my mother is very encouraging, supportive. It's, if I said tomorrow, I'm going to do, I'm going to be a, a toothbrush maker. She went, that sounds fun. I thought she'd say, and she would be like wailing about it. So I'd say that encouragement is very important. And that's without the skills that you have got with being in this line of industry. So I'd say it's been them elements, but it's been self-derived more. And then mum's encouragement, definitely. And then one thing you said before, Dion, is resilient to failing. Yeah. Where's the resilience to succeeding? People have mm. this thought that can succeed and is okay all the time. It can kill you. Literally, it can kill you. No resilience to success at all, ever. Or even consider that a notion. It's be it as much as you can. How many famous people have lost their lives to that line of work? So well, it's so, like, yeah. So it's like, that's not even a consideration. And when we're looking at those elements in the setting of growing up. It's, this is what fascinates me. Imagine someone says, I didn't get the job. And you went, oh, that's brilliant. I can't believe you didn't get the job. Says no one ever. Or the relationship. What did he say? No. Oh, you're a lucky sod, you. You're always devastated for them. But why? Because that could have been the most heavily domestically abusive relationship of your entire life. You could have lost your path on who you were wanting to be because they had a different inclination of something else and you didn't have the to not be swooped in. That person could completely ruin your life. And this isn't being a pessimist. This is just like being real. Yeah, I am mostly optimistic. Because that's just what I'm like. But when you look at these ideologies of being scared to fail, it's like, are you not scared to succeed? It's like, you, you want to be obviously more on the optimum side. But sometimes you could fail and that could be the best thing that ever happened to you. You meet that person for that role in that line of thing you wanted more than the thing you actually set out to do. And do you know why? Because your standards for yourself might be lower than what is waiting for you to have. Mm. One, that's you deserve more. It's thank God the universe has got a footing in your pathway because you are choosing less for yourself. So thank God you didn't get that relationship. Thank God you didn't get that job. Thank God you didn't pass your exam because you do not know what that pathway was, but you're too quick to say, oh, that was the be all and end all. Who's to say that job that you get is going to fuck you up big time? Pardon me, French. <laughs> be in focus for the greatness, but don't be ignorant to the benefits of failure. Yeah. Like, I think it's crucial because it's like the amount of, yeah, so I, I've missed the train and then. It's been one of them days, but I don't mind them days because I usually think, oh, it's one of them days. And I'm, I can get in the sink of it being one thing after another. It's like when we were speaking about sad, welcoming her as a guest rather than the deterrent. So when it's one of them days, 
will it to get worse? Just will it to go even worse? Because it's going that way anyway. So if you control it and you don't react to it, then you're in control. Yeah. And I've bumped into when I miss said train. The girl has asked me for a charger. So I'm looking profusely for a charger and she, so was she. But we didn't even need one because there was USB ports on the fucking table, like five. And we were both like, and charger, charger. We, so we had a lap. And then, long story short, she ends up being a special educational needs teacher. And I've just got a certification in that. So I got invited to her school to go and do some data things and get processes in place. But I could have been a Mizzo because I missed my train. And then wouldn't have really acknowledged her looking for the charger and just ignored her and stayed on my phone to the way you just go in when you think your day's getting horrendously worse. But that's probably when it's getting horrendously better, just not the way you think it is. It's true. It is true. It is absolutely true. But I think the reality is that you are more the exception than the rule with this positive outlook, with this, I can't fail and things like that. The reality is a lot of people through upbringing, through circumstance, through even their own makeup, they inherently have a negative disposition, right? And they don't necessarily always see the wood from the trees. Now, if someone had this negative or pessimistic outlook in life, what are the hacks that you would share with people? What are the first steps that they should start taking in order to reframe the way that they look at things. I'm actually glad you mentioned that because I would say that little segment is the next level to the segment we're about to talk about. And it's, they, they go hand in hand because it'll encourage people to get drunk on the notion of the failure concept in the sense of there's an amazing life coach called Abraham Hicks, who I adore. And their philosophy is only think about what you want. Only think about what you want. Only think about what you want. And then someone will say something, only think about what you want. And I've thought about that process. And I was like, surely that's going to come with blah, blah. But that's because I was progressing onto the next level. Yeah. So when you are and don't have that mind, you need mass, constant exposure to its opposite. So if you're quite a neggy person you need to get drunk on the notion of the other to the point of like ridiculous it, that's what you have to do and clock with this life coach only think about what you want is because people are so far with thinking about what they don't want they need brainwashing to literally think about what they want in every given capacity possible because it's gonna then just bridge even to the level they need but by going that high above the norm of thinking about what they want, because they're probably down there thinking about what they don't want constantly. When I was saying before about, oh, be scared of being successful, that is, is for most not their line of worry or concern at this point. That's for something else, but it exists. For people who are like, say, entrepreneurs in the early days or developing a new concept, it's like, they need to get addicted to failure. They've got to welcome it, love it, caress it, dance with it, marry it a lot, because it, it's a choice. It's not adopted. It's not attracted. It's not given. You choose it. And as mm -hmm. soon as people realize that it's their choice, they won't fail. 
it's like, I, how can you quit is not failing. And even then it's because you quit. It's like fail uh, is, uh, is figuring it out. That's all it is. I, I, I feel like, I, I feel like folks that, so from a schoolio perspective, as I'm paying attention to education more than I ever did going through the system, folks that are entrepreneurial typically as have very early on rebelled to the idea of failure because they don't believe in it. I never believe in it. I don't understand why I'm given a test that I get a week to study, but somehow if I don't get it done in 30 minutes, I fail. It makes no sense. And so entrepreneurs traditionally have rebelled against this idea of failure, but let's say 90 plus percentage of the population that went to school, spent years in post-secondary uni college, their entire mindset is framed around not failing based mm. on whatever their rule. So there's a ton of unlearning that happens. And I guess the question I have for you before we dive into about your business a little bit more is at one point, optimism was an attitude, right? You're the optimistic guy. Everybody will. I feel like now in a society where we're hit every day by bad news first, optimism mm. is a skill set. It's not just mm, a nice yeah. to have anymore. You got to learn how to be optimistic from the minute you open your eyes or else mm. it's going to hit you first. Do you believe the future optimism is a skill set kids have to focus on, people have to focus on? Joel, that's actually a quite good question because you're right. We are like lined up to be hit with bad news. It's And then social media. It's like you think that lovely beach post of that couple on the beach is a lovely post. That's an attack. That's aimed at getting people to sometimes buy into a concept when it's all digitalized anyway and photoshopped or whatever. Not in every sense, but a lot of the time it is a ploy. So them, that, that concept of optimism being a skill is, I'd say, bang on the nose because... If that's hitting you and it's packaged as a nice post, you're under attack to feel shit, about, to feel not good about yourself. And how do you conquer that optimism? No, actually, I don't. I don't need to be like that because this is brilliant. It's like there's your first snap. So everyone around you is getting the opportunity. You don't think that you're off optimism. My time will come. Actually, you got all them. I've just listened to a podcast and they said that you don't want to get them. So. Ha so it's like that again, I think, yeah, I think that's a really good, that's a really good process to, to make people be, because I think you hear it. I'll be optimistic. Like I've not, yeah. I haven't got optimistic at the clock. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like you, you have history and algebra in case you ever have a crisis, get out. There's never no optimism until half two, but now I think it's a, I think it's a good point. And I think very under, under, underrated when we are under this constant flurry of attack, often sat in silence and not even knowing why we feel glum that day. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely something I'll think about more because I take it for granted. But yeah, I think we do need to develop it as a skill and we need to remind people to do that. Like, a lot. Yeah, really good question like that. So as Satish mentioned, Let's dive a little bit into your business. Now, I know that Bean Unlimited has been around for a very long time, so I'd like you to touch on Bean Unlimited, but 
You've also got a startup where you are focusing on university students. And I'd like to talk a little bit about that as well. So tell us about Being Unlimited. So Being Unlimited is and formed naturally and ironically because me business partner is called Ingrid and I'm Ben. So together being, but just before it, we latched onto that. I don't know what I, I always find a way. So my mum coins it as if I fell down the toilet, I'd come back with a gold watch. I don't know where she gets it from, but I think it's actually really dead clever because the concept of that is really me. And one of my interns who's got ADHD, they like said, can I, I want to speak to you? I was like, what is it? All excited. And they were like, I keep, I've got this vision of you. I need to tell you. I was like, go on. They went, if you sped up the top of a mountain in a flaming car, and it was like rack and ruin and it was filled with all sorts of things and it was like exploding as it fell off the cliff. You would rise with like drones carrying you by each corner of your body and a brand new suit unscathed. Why? And I was like, oh, I, I like that. And then painter and decorator said the same. I'm not joking. Within two weeks, he's like, Ben, if you were going down the wrong way, and a car with no wheels filled with flamingos and it was on fire and there was no steering wheel. You would get to the appointments on time in a new suit. And I think that might be the optimism. I think that comes from that. So when we clicked on, I don't know what limit is. And, I, and I'll always figure it out. I'm not joking. So I got diagnosed with autism a couple of weeks ago. And I think people took for granted. I don't know what limit is. I, I can't envision it. Like, it really fascinates me when I see people saying they can't do something. I'm like, but you've got 999 million times to try and then tell me. And I'm like, you've only did it twice. What are you talking about? You've got 999 times to do it. So being unlimited was a sort of body on top of how I am, which was like, I can't keep this to myself. I was like, it's now annoying me that people are limited by their own limited judgment. Not someone's told them. Oh, we already tell themselves. All themselves. No one has to tell them. They'll do it themselves. Literally, they will do it themselves. And I argue with people saying they can do something. And they tell the purple in the face that they can't. What's wrong with them? I'm like, no one ever says to me, yes, you can. I wish they would. It'd be great. No one says to me, yes, you can. And I'm like, I wouldn't argue with someone if they said I could do something. What is that? Think about it. Someone says to you, you can. And they go, oh, calm. Why would you do that? What? What is this? What is this? Someone has said you can. Shut up. I can't. It's like, take it and run. Do you know what I mean? It's like, why would you say no? no? So that fascinates me. But I don't know what limit is. Yeah, I literally don't. I literally don't. At all. I'm trying to think about it now. And a story I told Dion last time, someone was being smart with me and was like, you're in a concrete box. I getting out of that one? And I was like, easy. And they were just like that looking at me. I was like, define concrete box. I was like, I'm, I just won't be in it. I went, I'll just shut my eyes and I'll exist somewhere else. <laughs> I'm, I'm, the, 
and I'm going to get out of it. I may as well stay for an extra hour. But no. I was out. It's interesting because I, I, I hear you. And today, at this age, after 25 years of building companies and unlearning myself, it resonates really well. And I believe for most people, the limitation comes from the embarrassment of failing. Nobody, nobody's afraid of failing. We all failed at some point in something. But in today's social world, digital world, every fail, failure seems to be magnified. And in your head, it's, I'm not failing in private. I'm failing publicly. And the embarrassment of it is more inhibiting than the actual act of failing. As you talked about the world before tech and the world after tech, and you're building a tech startup, how does somebody ignore the world? I would say you've got to play, literally play. So when I talk about like dad, like I say that it's like I have a vision in my head and it's an invisible apparition of a body and there's like emoji shoes and a briefcase. That's my vision of sad. And she comes, she wants to stay for a day or two. And if you don't let her, then she brings her sister's depression and upset and then they linger and then you can't get rid of them. With failure, it's like, You've got to play with it. Don't detest it. Actually set yourself up to fail. Like literally go, right, I'm going to do this horrifically wrong. And then pretend that you really, actually, this is no, this is great. So you go like this. Intentionally will to fail at something and then go and show your mom and pretend that you didn't, you don't mean how bad it is. And be like, this is brilliant. I absolutely love it. And wind it up to death. Get someone in on it. And as soon as you do that, you've just made a new movement on the whole concept. It won't feel as hard, as harsh. It'll be a little fun. It'll be a bit nicer. And just wind it up to death. And practice doing it with your friends. Do something. But actually, you're really trying to do it woeful on purpose. But pretend you, you, you love it. And then see what your friend's reactions is. And then be like, you bullshitter. I'm absolutely like, this is horrendous. And you're telling me it's good. And then get rid of them people. You don't need negativity like that. I so like that. I would say. Keep the tribe play. small. I like that a little. Yeah. And just play with it. And there was an amazing TED Talks that I've seen. And this girl was incredible. And she would make useless things. That was her job. She was like, I just make useful. Like, crap. That's my job. And I love it. And I'm not messing, it was useful. It was useless crap. She made a conveyor belt for the head that she could put crisp on and click a button and it'd whack the crisp in the mouth. And it was like, I just try and do it and try and make stuff to, to just for the sake of it being useless. So I think get rid of precious. That will help with failure. Like, stop being so precious. It's like, drop the brush, paint with your hands. It's get rid of the night before, it. eat. Just eat with your fingers, like just, and just, I think it'll help. I really do. But you're right. We do need to be better entwined with it because there's no relationship with failure. None. Absolutely none. Ben, is there not a negative side to this? And what I mean by that is if you've got this mindset, I can't fail or I won't fail, right? You could be borderline delusional. Or you could go out mm -hmm. and you will achieve it at whatever 
at any expense and you run the risk of doing things not that's not kosher. You run the risk of not giving a shit about people and trampling all over them. How do you guard from this negative side and the risk associated with this belief that nothing will stop me? You have to be what it is you are not being stopped for has to be instilled and fueled with value. It has to be instilled with value. End of. That's not just for entrepreneurs. That should be just for every living thing should be value first, but we're not. So you'll often find a lot of people do stop because they haven't really sensed or adopted the value and what they're doing. So it's like the, with me, I tend everything to do is value first, profits later. It's like you can only be in one car at one given time. So it's like you need one car, basically, and you can only be in one house at a time. So it might be great to have 50,000, but you'll never be in two of them at the same time, unless you may envision it. <laughs> so it's like value first, and then it will, I'd say, define delusional. Like, to, to what point is it delusional to say X, Y, Z? Look at the light bulb, look at anything that was attempted profusely. It's like it was all delusional. It's like they were the often the best. I'd say, are we not already being delusional by saying we can't? So let's break out of that to be the counter. What we have just said is the issue is being delusional. But then stop being delusional and know that you can. It's, I don't think people are naturally built to hear people. I really don't. There is that happening, but I don't think there is a delivery of I'm going to come and shit up. I just don't think it is. I do think there's like chemical imbalances, there's nature, all that sort of thing. No one is born to have that as their end goal. It, I just don't think that's, I just, I can't accept that. So I think we're all built to win. Like osmosis, we'll always turn towards the sun if we're cold, we'll put a jacket on. If we're hot, we'll cool down. We always naturally osmosis ourselves to the medium of the balance to be equilibrious. So we need to be taught how to fail, not to succeed, because we're going to succeed. But people mm -hmm. don't know that. So not teach success, because we will always strive for that. I built in us. If we didn't, we'd be dead. We wouldn't have made it as, as a civilization. We are built to win. That's that. We need to be taught to fail. I love that, man. I've, I have a question. I have a question. I'm just curious what you think, what, especially in Canada uh, or Toronto where I live. Multiculturalism, melting pot, immigration is huge. And the country that is today is different than it was 10 years ago, different than when I came here 25 years ago. And one of the things that I realized when I meet different types of entrepreneurs coming from arguably third world countries or, or developing countries, Latin America, India, Africa, they don't fail ever. And I don't know if it's a survival mindset that has been ingrained in such a deep level at a very young age where they do not fail no matter what in their head. 
there's never a moment where mm -hmm. they failed because they haven't stopped trying. And unless they're dead, they haven't failed. And then I looked at my own kids and this whole North American European privilege of the ability to fail and get back up and somebody's nurturing you and coddling you. Do you think when that part of the world wakes up and starts to come over, competition, survival of the fittest, failure, success is going to be fully redefined? I think it's, I would say it's not even about that. Like this disparity that you're talking about, I've thought about this and I think it comes down to one most poignant thing. So the, the, East and the West, why I love art, the art counter is because they have a belief in something superior than themselves. We mm. don't. It's miserable as hell. If we have a bad day, not for everyone, because we've got some people who are Christians and blah, blah, blah. If we have a bad day, it's over your face and you're looking to give it to someone. When you are on the other side of the hemisphere, that's okay, because they'll sort it out. You have got Found. a con constant that will sort it out. We don't. So there is actuality of, nah, there's no hope. There's no hope. How miserable is that? How miserable is no hope? It's so sad. Yeah. And it's because if you're having a bad day, well, not going to change it because you don't have any connection to something superior than yourself. And it doesn't have to be like, I love everyone's God or deity or lizard or whatever. Do not give two entons. If they have got a superior to themselves, I'm there for it. I am there for it. As long as it's not willfully harming others. It's like, you believe in that baby, you go for it. Because it's so important as a living organism to be beyond everything you can see. And everything you can imagine, because if you don't or you can't or you have no inkling towards that, we are being ignorant to life itself. And who wants that? And I like that. I like that a lot, man. More, if there was more people to be connected to that superior above self, it would be a nicer place. Like, I've got some amazing interns in India and Pakistan, Sri Lanka and Nigeria, right? And it's like, it, it, I learned a lot, like, a lot in terms of getting a glass of water, privilege. It's a privilege. It's like I'm talking to people who can't get a drink unless they get it from their ox. And it's and if someone has tried to poison that ox that week, then that ox can't be drank from in case it had it what? It, it's insane. And I'd say being not just but having a belief that there's something superior to myself. It's that also seeing and being reminded of what other worlds are doing has really opened my eyes. It's like some people in my business here thought I was being a bit less involved with them and more involved with the people in Pakistan. And I just said, we're going to have this conversation another time. The fact that was even a thing to even have to exert a inch of breath is the 
point of class and privilege I am distraught exists. And they have a mate smiling and like literally blackouts. It's like I'd turn my light off to join them. I'd be like, oh, hello, Chad and made up. So we both be sitting there in pitch black because I was just all about getting stuck in where they were in their reality. So I would sit there with no light on as well. And it's like that, I think, very much influences the element of failure and success. If they ain't got it yet, they believe someone's got their hand in them not having it just yet. Not at all. Just yet. Because they'll believe if they want it, it will be given. But people in Britain are just like, meh, it's a shit day. (laughs) Tell me, Ben, quickly, so once again, if we look at our audience, if there's people that want to start reprogramming themselves, are there any people that you recommend they should follow? Are there any books that you recommend they should read? Is there any resources or things like that? They could start their journey on their own. Yeah, I think what was quite good about that that little intro for the people in third world countries is like anyone who's got a mindset that's a little closed or they don't think they can, all it is that they are not utilizing their every excuse to show their greatness. That's it. To overcome that feeling of failure, seek, sort, scour, and look for any opportunity to show your greatness. Nothing to do with money. It's if you end up paying a leg and an arm for it, well done. Because you utilize that excuse to show your greatness. And do it such a good job that other person is blown away by either A, the fact that they didn't ask you to do it, B, they could never have afforded it and they got it, or C, they're just lost for words. I usually try to just hit all three because it's a habit now. But that's not that's never a loss because you've just got better at what you do. Someone has got a smile from here to here and... You're already in a clamped mindset. You need to open it and just be amongst people and make them need it. So when we talk about like the people in like Pakistan and India and stuff like that, it's, I do a lot with them. Like I hold classes on money and I'll be sitting here and I'll be telling them money doesn't matter. And I'm like, don't be looking at all this. I was like, I'm just really good with rags and now to make it look good on a wall. I was like, you just aren't upset about money. I was like, you, you just, just aren't. I was like, because then you'll want more when you've got more, then you want more when you've got more. I was like, you want to find some value. I was like, and then you will be loving what you do because you, as like, everything's value. So I'd say, go and do more of what you love, not what you don't like. Stop it. Why would you do that? Oh, it doesn't make sense. Why would you do something you don't like? Don't do it. If you love your, for instance, if you're a programmer, and you keep getting rubbish jobs of doing very simple crap tasks. Go and do something for a business that you like, or just someone you know, or someone starting off. Do something for them without worrying about money. Use your excuse card to be great somewhere. I randomly sometimes do people, I redo people's CVs on LinkedIn. It's like I see it and I go, 
And then I said, I hope you don't mind. Where's your CV? I think you'll get a job with that. And usually they do. That's it's awesome. like, just do it. And you know what I'm saying? So it's very easy to get into that mindset and to being unlimited. You've just got to do it and stop thinking about money. It's, oh yeah, oh, don't want to be taken advantage of. Who's taking advantage? If you are getting absolutely at expert level, you're fooling and losing to no one. Because you'll find the person. And that person just done the thing for. You can't buy how they now feel. But you've been I given that. that. Straight away. Straight away. And that is being unlimited. It's no hold backs on anything. Just do and do. Then I really love that. And I just want to say oh. thank you so much for having you on the show. It's been great. If people wanted to find out more about you, where do they go? This is the thing. My business card's got no details on it. It's just my name and believe in yourself. There you go. So they need to, they need to do a search for believe in yourself and then back. And that's how they'll find it. Yeah. Ben, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Year One is hosted by Dion Kloppers and Sathish Bala and does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. It is engineered by Bluemax. For more Year One content subscribe where you get your podcasts and visit bluemex.io to join us on Discord.